Please support the Climate Change and Happiness podcast. See the donate page at climatechangeandhappiness.com. The climate is changing at an accelerating pace. Thousands of residents and tourists have been evacuated from the region. No one country can solve this problem. There's really one key message that emerges from this report. We are out of time. Welcome to Climate Change and Happiness, an international podcast that explores the personal side of climate change, your feelings, what the crisis means to you, and how to cope and thrive. And now, your hosts, Thomas Doherty and Panu Pikala. Well, hello, I'm Thomas Doherty. And I am Panu Pikala. And Panu and I welcome you to Climate Change and Happiness, our podcast. Uh, this is a show for people around the globe who are thinking and feeling deeply about the personal side of climate change and many other environmental issues. And so we here we focus on our our emotional responses, uh, issues like today, our topic of happiness, other issues like eco-anxiety and things that are pl- plaguing people. Um, you can learn about us at climatechangeandhappiness.com and see many other early episodes where we talk about various parts of happiness and various ways to think about being happy. Uh, and you can support us uh, at our donate page as well. And so going back to our mission, when we really created this podcast, it was a couple of things. Pani was a, a researcher of emotions and environmental emotions. And I'm interested in that and have worked in that area. So we really wanted to get at these climate and environmental emotions. And then there's this larger question of what does it mean to be happy? You know, climate change and happiness, how do those terms go together? What does it mean to be happy in this modern world? And so it's a question we all have to decide every morning, every day, and uh, in our lives. So we wanted to kind of come back to our mission. Uh, And um, we're working on a writing project for the happiness encyclopedia which Pano can talk about in a moment and um part of our job is writing about uh eco-anxiety and happiness which is interesting and challenging so that's where we're at today folks and um we're going to try to keep this real to our lives to our personal lives and your personal life as well so think about things in terms of your own life and your own happiness so Pano, we're this is a big area we talk about the elephant the blind man and the elephant and people touching on different parts of a big a big area so where in this big elephant of happiness would you would you like to start mm. perhaps the trunk or the, the left trunk. foot but yeah yes yeah. the issue of languages is again interesting here and one of our passions in this podcast has been to think about things in different languages and the word for happiness in Finnish language is onnellisuus. A mm. short form, form would be onni, which is etymologically also connected to luck. In some languages, ah. happiness and being lucky are closely connected, and in some, some other languages, not. Uh, we don't necessarily think of luck when we think about happiness in, in Finland and in Finnish, but it's it's a close close connection and it's not exactly the same, this Finnish concept of onnellisuus and the English happiness and as many listeners know there's been a very long discussion in in North America about pursuing happiness and 
uh, how to define happiness and thing, things around, around that. And so there's plenty, plenty to discuss here. I think linking to the major theme of our podcast, the climate crisis and the ecological crisis, a major factor is how that challenges some uh, forms of ha- happiness or so-called happiness and then the task of how to live a good life or meaningful life, which are important parts of what people are talking about, at least some people when they are talking about happiness. So those things are going to be on the table table today. But but what's, uh, what, what does happiness mean, mean to you, Thomas? How do you see, see it? That's a great question. I was afraid you were going to ask me that, Panu, because uh, it's a tough one. You know, I'm just, uh, um, I'm just thinking about this idea of luck and the only and uh, and finish. We're kind of students of, of of happiness words. There's a great book out there called The Atlas of Happiness by a writer named Helen Russell, and she went around the world and found different interesting words for happiness in different cultures. And I I, was, I thought about luck. There's a there's a word zingfu uh, uh, in Chinese, state of being happy. But it it's a, a combination of of lucky and um, having enough, just enough of what you need. So hmm. I think, um, I think a lot of cultures have realized that happiness kind of comes and goes. And sometimes we get, there's a, there's, there's a luckiness factor to feeling happy. And then of course that having just enough of what you need mm-hmm. is another, another part of this, right? And that's a concept that's shared around the world as well. Um, Lagom, you know, having just enough, uh, you know, one way I approach this when I'm working with people and myself, my, you know, I, I might start with the opposite. What is it? What is it? What is not happy being look like? And then sometimes that, that, that helps me a little bit. Um, you know, what's, what, what, what am I missing? And then it gives me a clue to what I need to be happy. And, uh, I know I'm a parent and this morning, my daughter, it's early morning here for me. And, uh, my daughter was struggling my 15-year-old daughter was had a struggling morning to get to school and to get to the bus and feeling overwhelmed about her 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 schoolwork and and uh, she was really not feeling happy um, and being distraught like teenagers will be at times and um, or all of us will be at times and then I as a parent uh, being the, the solo parent on the job was not happy either because I had to help her. Um, so happiness does include, you know, um, feeling safe in the moment. I think in, if we want to keep our happiness in terms of, uh, in terms of our climate and environmental context, I think there's a piece in happiness about, about feeling safe or feeling secure. Mm. And if we don't have that, um, sometimes it's really hard to, it's hard to feel, to feel happy, to be in the moment enough to enjoy our moments without this big weight of all these other things over our head, this, this eco anxiety and meta insecurity that kind of, you know, drains our ability to be happy. So I think that's a place. So it's being in the moment and feeling secure. Yeah. That's a place I would start. Hmm. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. That's, that's very, very profound, I think, and reminds me uh, of this movie, the Dead Poets Society, mm-hmm. Robin mm-hmm. Williams and, mm-hmm. and others, and I haven't thought about that for quite some time actually. But um, I remember when we were at the upper levels of comprehensive school, you know, like thirteen or fourteen. Mm-hmm. Me and many of my friends actually liked the movie a lot. 
we didn't watch these kinds of a bit archy serious movies very much during then it was more you know action action movies and that's uh, that type of thing but that movie caught our attention and i think it man- it succeeded in uh encountering this basic issue of carpe diem you know seize the seize the moment and mm-hmm. uh, it's closely related to ha- happiness that one would be able to appreciate the everyday moments of existence and of course that may not always be uh, joyful or delightful as an emotional state but if one is connected to the sort of most meaningful things then that's related to happiness in the sense of a good life or or meaning meaningful life so some reflections that came to mind when listening to you yeah and it reminds us that art art is very important uh in our happiness i mean so the listeners can think about this i mean one of our one of our metaphors again is the blind man and the elephant and you know, with climate change and all these kind of big global issues. So people look at different parts of the issue and they argue about it. But we, you know, so don't argue about happiness. That's one takeaway. Think about different ways that people need to be happy. And if someone with you is 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 unhappy, try to be curious about what they need. And it might not be the same thing that you need um, in the moment. You know, my daughter, you know, my well-meaning parenting advice this morning about don't waste your time by being distraught because it actually makes your, your even more late for your bus. You know, that, that kind of logical stuff was, she wasn't open to that in the moment, but, you know, needed a hug and needed, needed some actual help and also just some patience. Just let her be. Because again, you know, on really more profound terms with climate change, these issues like the East Palestine train derailment in the u.s that we talked about Mm -hmm. in our recent recording and that's going to come out here soon there's a lot of thieves that will steal our happiness uh try to steal our happiness so um we do we do have to be 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 vigilant Mm. feelings are wild though feelings of happiness will arise feelings of you know because of a positive thing will happen last night before i was going to bed I have a, my window is slightly open because I like some fresh air in the, in the evening and I heard an owl. I thought I heard an owl and we don't typically have owls around where I live. And then I went and sat by the window and opened the window and listened into the night. And uh, sure enough, there was an owl, you know, and then I double checked it with my bird app on my phone that has uh, bird calls. A Merlin, this app, you know, where you can turn it on and it'll listen and it'll tell you what the bird sound is. It's good for birders that don't know and don't know the birds and sure enough it confirmed it was a barred owl um and that was a really unexpected moment of happiness for me in the evening before i went to bed just that little connection with the natural world and the barred owls are probably migrating here because of the season through our urban neighborhood um so that's wild you know that's a wild thing and i was meeting with a young person yesterday talking about their own climate anxiety and we were talking about a lot of things but uh after a while, she said she felt excited about some of the things we were talking about. And that was a wild feeling, we agreed, because she hadn't prepared to feel excited. So these, these positive feelings will happen if we can stay in the moment and be aware of them. That's, the, again, that dilemma. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I totally, totally ag- agree. And in my Finnish, Finnish work, part of that was a book about various emotions and feelings that people may experience in relation to ecology and environment and, and other things things like that and 
and I did a lot of thinking about various nuances of feeling feeling good or feeling feeling happy, mm-hmm. and that's I think a very important topic. Also, I might might leave it leave it to another moment in this in this episode because I still want to I want to talk about one thing in the in the movie and linking to what you said also, which is in this old movie Dead Poets Society, there's a young man who really would like to be an actor, but his parents. Uh, definitely don't like the idea. They would like like him to con- continue very hard hard studying and, and being able to get a get a job which would pay pay well. And a classic situation where there's lots of dreams by the par- parents and the younger generation might not not agree to all all of them. But it raises up this whole issue of 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 professions and work life and what are we striving for and that's of course very closely connected to the ecological crisis crisis also because some some things that some people have regarded or learned to regard as signs of ha- happiness and well-being like having a huge huge amount of of, of of riches then that's in generally speaking is of course not possible for the whole population of this planet to put it put it mildly mm. and we know that people are di- different and you know there's wealthy people who are doing great stuff ethically speaking and living a good and meaningful life by working towards the common good but on on average this uh, structure of uh, let's all get more material possessions so that's that's detrimental for them ah, yeah. for the happiness of creatures on, on on this planet so just wanted to bring that that link between happiness and the ecological crisis and partly also eco anxiety or climate anxiety yeah you're right i mean i mean there's a political aspect to this obviously right i mean what um you know what what drives our happiness and what our policies are about what what people are supposed to be happy potentially a huge impact on the planet and other species and of course social justice issues where certain people are subjugated and and so that other people can somehow be happy and so um yeah that that gets us to the uh anger you know anger another emotion that comes up here which um it joins happiness if you were from another planet and you came to the, here and you dropped in the U.S. and tried to understand the culture by watching the mainstream media, you would think that happiness was a, was a sufficient if you had a new car and a, and a new phone and some fast food and some sort of wealth management program. You know, it's very superficial, and we know that that system is driving the planet into ruin, and everyone knows that. So there's it's an open secret. So I think there there is this. As in many eras, there's there's a there's a crisis of what what it means to be happy, but happiness is 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 much more simple and much more. Um, you know, we talk about these fancy words, these um, words that researchers use, like in, intrinsic versus extrinsic. You know, so intrinsic, you know, happiness is things that just mean something to us. It doesn't require possessions. It doesn't require, uh, uh, you know, a lot of money and and super wealth. It just intrinsic things again: security, safety, family, uh, friends, social supports. You know, a lot of people are un- un- unhappy these days because they feel isolated in their ego concerns. Partly why we do this podcast so people don't feel as isolated. Because uh, when you're when you're lonely, um, that's another feeling that lives with 
of happiness and it kind of kind of makes it more difficult to be happy. So yes, there's uh, each listener uh, can find their own piece that they need to work on because some people want you know it, it to be angry and to work on change makes them happy. It makes them feel good. Lately, the model that I've been using with helping people with emotions and my own self is, um, you know, it's not eliminating emotions. It's just adding other emotions to join uh, whatever emotion that we're trying to work with. So if I'm feeling lonely, like I say, um, you know, if it was a party and I had a party and my only guest was loneliness, then that would be everything we would sort of focus on at the party. But if I also invite if curiosity shows up, you know, that, that emotion shows up, then only, but some people are also come also curious or patience shows up Then I also can wait and sort of hold on or, um, courage shows up, you know, or anger shows up and says, well, you shouldn't stand for this. We should do something about this. Right. So lonely is still there, but it's supported by these other emotions. Uh, and that a lot of people have an insight with that because they think they need to, you know, they need to eliminate a bad emotion mm. and we can't, we, it's impossible. It's a part, it's a nor, it's natural and it's normal and it's healthy to feel lonely if we are isolated, but we can, we can make lonely less lonely as a feeling if we add other feelings to it. And, um, anyway, that's the, that's the metaphor I've been using. And so people can think about that with happiness mm. as well. Yeah. Our happiness exists, but it, 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 it feels lonely. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if we can bring in some other emotions, that happiness can be stronger. That, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That reminds me of the emotion coach Carla McLaren's work. Mm. Work, and she uses the metaphor of the village, you know, and that in every village there's different kinds of persons. There may be quite big differences between them also, but still they belong there, and and then that's a metaphor for various various emotions, and then also that can be linked with various skills, hmm. you know, different persons are good at different thing, things and uh, in the village of our self or our psyche, we, we need all those emotion guys and gal gals, so, so to speak. So, hmm. so that's, that makes us uh, cap capable of responding to various kinds of si situations. And, and personally, I'm, I'm very much for the view that uh, emotions and feelings also have intrinsic value, so it's not just instrumental value. There, there is definitely that also. Sometimes you need you need anger to fight some injustice, for example. But then uh, emotions are also related to just being alive and feeling feeling joy or feeling sadness. That's related to the intrinsic value of being alive, also. So not just instrumental, but even but emotions have a lot of that instrumental value. Value also. Yeah, yeah. And so let's do a little uh, teaching for the for the listeners. So yeah, there's these terms that we use that are really useful. So instrumental value. Uh, if I'm if I'm following you. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a useful value. Like it's instrumental. It's, it's useful. It has a practical use to it. Is that, that's what you mean about that, right? Uh, roughly. Yeah. You know, uh, if, if you haven't have an ax, uh, that's going to be of great instrumental value. If you need to chop, chop some fire, firewood. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, but then if you haven't, 
an, an act that you have inherited from your great grandfather. It may be that you never chop any wood with that, but it still has great value for you because it's a family arti- artifact, so to speak. Yeah, and environmental environmental groups and environmentalists think think about this because uh, you know they think about the instrumental values of things. If people are, do care about the nature and care about, they're going to change their behavior. And so there's a piece where we harness and use emotions to help to help make social change. And that gets into the whole idea of advertising and marketing um, and uh, social marketing. And of course, advertisers who are trying to sell consumer products also try to make this instrumental so they get people to buy things uh, and all this sort of stuff. So again, there's we can put on our philosopher hats and, you know, people over the over the millennia have thought about, you know, feeling good in terms of hedonism and just feeling happy in the moment, uh, uh, kind of more Epicurean kind of just enjoying the the beauty of, of life and food and drink and people and pleasure and the arts and music. And then the more, I guess, eudaimonic would be the term, which is really a, a, a life well lived where we feel good about our life. We feel when we look back on our life, we feel, we, we feel like we were our best self mm. Um, we did good work. We helped other people. We lived up to our values, right? That's the, that's that other, that's that other piece of happiness, right? And listeners, we all struggle with like, are we living up to our values? Are we being our best self? Um, and that guilt and shame that people have sometimes of not living up to their values really kind of impacts their happiness. Yeah. Yeah. Some people use the word existential guilt mm. in this sense you know it really it's related to who you are and the fundamentals of life and if you feel that you uh, haven't been nearly what you feel you should have been so that goes near this existential guilt and in this podcast we've often talked about how important it's not to let feelings of inadequacy rule our lives because these structural problems are bigger than any of us. So it's no use if we just constantly feel bad and inadequate. But of course, we also need the abilities of guilt and shame so that we can notice when we are individually or collectively headed towards a wrong direction or if we we have done something which is not as good as as it should have been. So so it can be a very tricky balance. It's not, not easy, I totally totally echo echo that and this idea of living a good and meaningful life so some people may not even feel it themselves like mother teresa for example mm. the famous helper of poor people who apparently quite often felt quite miserable and anxious but from from when evaluated from an ethical standpoint she ended up living a very very meaningful life and in the ethical sense a very good good life so sometimes it may not even feel good for for the person himself or herself but it may be related to very important things that still is going on yeah that's really a neat point too so yeah we talk about we have issues and we have issues we have our big capital i issues we're going to work on in the world and we have our lowercase i issues our feelings our our baggage I mean, there's a lot we can talk about here. I mean, we know from the research that people have a sort of a happiness set point. People have a general disposition and temperament, and some people are more naturally upbeat and happier than others. Some people are more melancholic. I'm, I tend to be more melancholic myself at times, and uh, and that's just part of our personality and our style. 
and we got to make the most of what we have. Um, and then, yes, there's this other piece of um, engaging with these wicked problems in the world, these these over these problems that are all big tangle of problems like poverty, like environmental injustice, like climate change, like natural disasters, like the economy, capitalism, um, corporate propaganda, you know, all these things is just a big tangle of things. And we can't fix this like directly, but we can engage with it and be doing something. I was talking to some people about this the other day. And you know, as long as we're doing something that we feel like we have some expertise, mm. I was talking to someone who works in Portland here with the transportation department, but specifically around bike lanes and moving people around and um it's a really tough job in cities because we've got the crush of traffic and then problem of uh, unhoused people on the streets and the economy and climate change but if you're doing something and you have some expertise you can spend your day working on it you're, you're engaged uh and, and ultimately it feels good even if you don't solve the problems you know you've showed up and put a good day's work into it so we talked about you know we need to in, in, increase that engagement mm -hmm. so the the catchphrase was uh increase and make peace so increase yeah. your engagement and make peace with with everything that you can't do yeah yeah in a in a, in a piece which may be related to also out of out of peace and mm. in many cultures a sense of honor, honor has been very closely related to views about the good life and meaning meaningful life and i think that's a very important aspect of our lives in the ecological crisis also so so when when we know in our bodies and in our hearts that we have at least tried to do something with the resources we have and in the contexts in which we live which are vastly different some people have much more options and efficacy than others so if we are able to uh, to be in that position then we re regain or have some sense of honor uh, which is very important for us human beings i i think it's really great panu i actually have never i've never linked honor with this area i don't think i've ever quite thought about that um i've never seen it uh, also linked anywhere in anything i've written or I, i've written or i've read uh so yeah a sense of honor um that's a just something just to let let us sit with and do you know i mean i feel a sense of honor by talking with you on this podcast and doing some of the things that i do so that's an interesting interesting you know thing to to think about um people talk about metaphorically what will i what will I tell my grandchildren, you know, when they ask me or when people in the future would ask me, what did you do during this time? You know, I think if we do have, say we can do, if we say that we took some action, we can have a sense of honor um, about that. That's really neat. I'm going to think more about that. Yeah. 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 We might come back to that in some some episode. It would be very, very in interesting. And all this is related to uh, what's, can be called practical eco-anxiety, mm -hmm. you know, the eco-anxiety and the engaged life. 
this sensitivity to the troubles in the world and the motivation to do something about that. And that's one of the points in our Happiness Encyclopedia article with Thomas, that eco-anxiety can be linked with a meaningful life and getting engaged also. And sometimes that can result in so-called positive emotions. There can be a lot of joy uh, with others when people are working for the common good that happens a lot when people start doing things. Of course, there may be feelings of disappointment also heavily, and it's not just happy, happy, joy, joy, joy. But there is joy also. And lately, some psychologists and researchers have started to lift that theme up also more like Joseph Dodds, for example, in a recent piece when, where he's arguing that it might be very important that we also allow ourselves and others to be more, more, more often joy, joyful and that's a, another team we have touched upon this podcast and I think something nice to talk about as we are getting close to the end of this episode this permission to feel joy and I think that's not the same as happiness but of course it's profoundly connected this ability to feel various emotions in one's life yeah this is all really great um, so that's that's another we'll try to end these episodes on a on a on a sort of a, a uplifting note for the listener for the rest of their day you know i think one one side of this crisis of happiness is that it's a really creative time people are being creative about what mm. what happiness means and some of these old these old definitions are i mean in our lives that's part of our change and our growth we let go of old definitions of happiness that no longer serve us that that are superficial or immature or or we've grown out of and so um so we've got, you know, writers like Rebecca Solnit, who I like, is writes about, um, you know, visions of hope and paradise built in hell, you know, about, you know, what actually happens when people rise above during disasters and things like that. Um, Joseph Dodds, as you say, Glenn Albrecht has a whole, has a whole lexicon of, uh, of uh, climate emotions and states that he's created, kind of this almost like a philosophical art a gallery of different states and feelings and things like that, which are inspiring to people. And um, so over the years, there's been people being creative and holding space for happiness in various ways. So yeah, so it's, it's again, joy, uh, engaged life, the engaged, our engaged life leads to what I would say moments of joy. It doesn't lead to permanent joy, but it leads to literal genuine moments of joy. Uh, So essentially in our, emotional party, our diligence and our patience and our, you know, our fatigue and our weariness, joy shows up to the party from time to time as well. Presence, happiness, you know, it, it becomes a guest if we, if we just move forward. So I invite um, the listeners to think about, you know, that feelings are wild is be aware. We all don't like it when an unexpected guest shows up to our party. That's grief or despair or guilt or, um, shame or embarrassment, but we we also need to be aware when when special guests come in, like joy and presence or wonder, awe, all these things as well come around. So that's what I'm thinking about, Panu, as I get into my day um, and start my day here on a Monday. It's a good good way for me to start actually thinking about these positive feelings. Uh, how about yourself? Where are you heading for the rest of your evening? It's Monday even, evening here and the boys are starting to return home. So I think one activity will be a very 
Finnish important thing related to happiness, which is the sauna. Ah. So, so yeah, that's one example of people, you know, very literally stripping away status and wealth and that sort of thing. So it's just connection with with the st- steam and the warmth and other other people and, and water. So That sounds really nice. That's, that's going to be a happy moment this evening. Well, good. You deserve it. You've worked a long day there as being parent with your boys. And um, so enjoy. And listeners, you, you all take care of yourselves. Um, and we will uh, pick it up again uh, next time. And you can find us at climatechangeandhappiness.com. And so please support our website so we can bring more guests and more good topics to you. Well, be well. Take care. The Climate Change and Happiness podcast is a self-funded volunteer effort. Please support us so we can keep bringing you messages of coping and thriving. See the donate page at climatechangeandhappiness.com.